We're going to turn back to the book of Revelation again tonight and uh, do our second part of the study that we have started on Sunday night. And uh, Lord willing, um, we'll continue through for the next year or more. So um, Lord willing, that's our plan and we'll see how the Lord leads. And however he does lead, that's the way we're going to go. And so I had such a good time on Sunday night preaching. Um, I asked the Lord to allow me to preach out of this text again, and um, not the exact same text, but out of the series again, and um, I believe he has allowed us to do that. And so Revelation chapter number one, last um, Sunday night we learned about the introduction of the book, and um, the introduction of the book was a... um, Simply, it just stated that it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's who it is. It's about Him. Amen? And so then we move to um, verse number 4. We covered verse 1, 2, 3. And now we're going to read verse number 4 through verse number 8. If you can and able, we'll stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God together. And um, we'll just read these five verses. All right. John, I mean, Revelation chapter number one verse number four the Bible says John to the seven churches which are in Asia grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ so it wasn't talking about him how about that and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindred of the earth, shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now it is him. See the change there. I am thankful that he was and he is and he is going to be. Amen. It's just simple as that. Uh, Pop, would you pray for us over the reading of the word, please? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. I was unsure about a title for this, so this is what I'm going to title it tonight, just simple, and uh, I'm going to title it, Who This Book Is All About. Who, as in big capital letters, that's what I put on my thing at least, uh, Who This Book Is All About. And we understand this evening that according to verse number 4, this is a letter written to the seven churches which are in Asia. And I'm thankful I can read a letter that was technically written to somebody else directly, uh, um, but I can read that letter um, for myself and apply it, give application to it, uh, and learn from the letter which was written to the seven churches which were at Asia Minor. And we understand that. And last week we learned about the introduction, and this week we're going to learn who it's all about. Amen. 
And so I'm thankful I have the opportunity tonight to preach about Jesus because there ain't, no anything, there ain't anything else worth preaching uh, but Jesus, amen. And I understand that people use that and we've got to preach the old counsel of God and we're going to preach the old counsel of God around here. Uh, um, but I'm thankful I get the time to preach about Jesus. I heard Brother Caleb Lindsay preach, this me- preach a message uh, um, entitled, Jesus is my alphabet, when it said he is the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end, and so I'm just going to preach that. And so, number one, it speaks firstly of a pre- there's a preface that is specific. Uh, we understand a preface meaning a beginning there. Uh, for instance, if you start a sentence saying, Hello, sir, uh, and that is the preface of that sentence. Uh, and so a preface that is uh, specific. The preface of this revelation explains it to be a letter to uh, written um, to the seven churches. Uh, and so we see the direction of this letter here. Uh, and the direction of this letter was to the seven churches which are at Asia. And so this letter was to be sent to these seven specific churches. Uh, It does not mean that there were not other churches in that area. It does not mean any of those things. But there were seven churches which are named in verse number 11. uh, And those churches are um, uh, Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and um, Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. There's those seven churches uh, um, there that they are written to. uh, And we'll look at them individually when we get into this series and and dig deeper on chapter number two and chapter number three. We'll cover those churches in full. uh, um, But what you need to know now is these are seven literal churches, okay? Uh, These are seven literal churches that were real and they were real congregations that existed uh, at the time of the writing of John as he's writing this. This revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so he, as he wrote this book, there's seven literal churches down there uh, in Ephesus, uh, I mean, and down there in Asia, from Ephesus to Pergamos to Thyatira to Philadelphia to Sardis and, Th- um, and to Laodicea. And they are there and they are literal uh, churches. And so Jesus spoke about them. Uh, and think about it they are real saints, they are real sinners, uh, and they are real situations. Uh, and Jesus give them a real solution to that problem and that is him Uh, he is the solution to every problem he's the answer to every question uh, and that's what he is and I also believe these churches are representative uh, of every Christian church that has ever existed Uh, and so if we were to look at that and and, and think about that every church contains some of the characteristics uh, that these seven churches held Uh, for instance we can look over at chapter number 2 and find that the church of Ephesus uh, um, it, it went through and said thou art fallen uh, O Ephesus thou art fallen uh, and it tells us on a little farther that, uh, of, of Smyrna is a person of tribulation and per- poverty uh, and he knows thy works he knows that they're rich and he knows all of those things about them uh, um, but he said I would say that there's blasphemy uh, there's some blasphemy going on there uh, and then we get to Pergamos and and read about them and, and we understand that they have fallen to the doctrine of Balaam which we learned about a few weeks ago uh, um, that they fell to that doctrine and then we can find in Thyatira and so on that he, they have failed to the doctrine if you will of Jezebel uh, and we can find there of Sardis and so on and so on but nonetheless uh, those churches are real churches uh, and every single church contains a characteristic of one or the other of them. One of them, I can't remember for the I can't remember, but for the sake of time, lost left the first love. 
Jesus was the first love. And they left that first love. And so while it's not directed to us, it may contain a lot of us. And so, so another thing I'd like to state there in this verse that we read, uh, it says, John, I'm to the seven churches. It speaks of this word, seven. It speaks of this word, seven, and this is the first use of the number seven in the book of Revelation. It's the first use there in that, and this is a number that will show up time after time after time. Uh, and throughout the book of Revelation, it shows up much, uh, and as we study this book, we'll understand and see it even more. Uh, but seven, we understand, is a number of perfection. It's a number of completion. Uh, it's a number of fullness. It's a number of all of those things. And so as we look at that, uh, when the Bible mentions seven churches, uh, it is referring, I believe, to a church in its fullness, in its full state uh, and where it can be uh, at any time. And so, so, so seven is, as we know, a prominent number throughout Bible. Is that not true? It's a, it's a very prominent number throughout all of the Bible and it's a number in the world that's very prominent. Uh, for instance, you have seven days in every week. Is that not right? We have seven days in every week. If you look at the musical scale, there's seven, uh, there's seven, um, there's seven numbers in the musical scale there are letters uh, um, seven notes rather in the musical scale as you look upon that and there are seven days in one week and then we can uh, as we do know if we were to look back in the Bible we'll see many times where seven appeared uh, here and it appeared there and seven appears uh, very much in your King James Bible and God commanded uh, um, seven feasts to uh, take place in the, in, in the law and there were we could go on and find that Jericho uh, um, that they uh, seven people with seven trumpets marched around uh, on the seventh day seven times, right? And so, and then it fell. Uh, and so there's a lot of sevens that were in the Bible. And if you look in the New Testament and find that there were seven sayings on the cross of Calvary uh, um, coming from the voice of the Lord. And there were um, many times where it happened. And we know it's a very popular number, if you will, in the Bible. But however, in this book, uh, I found as I was studying that there are 49 times that it says the number seven. It says the word seven 49 times. Now, what, what equals to 49? Seven times seven. It's not ironic, friend. It's not odd. It's what God wanted. It's 100% what God wanted. And, and so here are some important things that we'll see. Uh, just a quick overview and quick outline of just uh, um, some sevens that we'll see. We see seven churches here, right? Verse number four, we see seven churches. At the end of verse number four, we see seven spirits. Uh, and then we can go on and find in um, chapter one, verse 16, that there's seven stars. Uh, we can go on in chapter four and verse five, there's seven seals. Five, verse six, there's seven horns. Uh, in six and verse six, there's seven eyes. Uh, and then in eight and verse two, there's seven trumpets. Uh, and you could go on and on and on. There's seven angels, seven thunders, seven heads, seven crowns, seven plagues, uh, and there's seven vows, there's many different things uh, in that, and there's seven mountains, there's seven kings, uh, and so we find it all throughout the book of Revelation, as we go through this study, we're going to see a bunch of sevens, and we know what it is now, it's completion, perfection, 
and fullness. That's what it can sum to. And so that's what it's talking about. It's this very small example of what we're going to go to. So seven is clearly a very important number. And so we see the direction that this letter was sent. And then secondly, I want you to notice the, the desire for this letter. The desire. He said, grace be unto you and peace. Grace be unto you and peace. And so this is a classic New Testament dedication to Scripture as he is giving this salutation here. There is a, it's it's classic to hear that as uh, as Paul used it oftentimes in his letters uh, um, from from Ephes- from Ephesus to Corinth uh, um, to Thyatira I mean to excuse me Thessalonica and so on and so on he wrote grace be unto you and peace and so John greets them with this salutation this prayer uh, that uh, they will continue to enjoy all the sufficient grace of God and the peace of God. In all of that. And so, by the way, the book of Revelation is going to be a tough book. It's filled with much, it's filled with scenes of judgment and torment and con- condemnation. And, but it's also a book of joy. Amen. It's also a book of joy and it's filled with joy. And it reveals God's grace in the lives uh, of all of those people and all of His people. And it points uh, to a coming world where grace uh, and peace will always be. It will reign forever. Hallelujah, friend. Uh, It seems fitting that he's starting this book with saying, Hey, grace and peace be unto you all. So we see a preface that is specific. Secondly, I want you to notice tonight there's a power that is sovereign. There's a power that is sovereign. Verse 4, the Bible says, uh, at the end, which was, uh, which is, and which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of kings of the earth. And so it tells us John begins his salutation here to the churches with the hope of grace uh, and with the hope of peace to those churches. He said, hey, grace uh, be unto you in peace. Uh, And he desired them uh, um, to rest in God during a time of tribulation and a time of torment uh, and a time of persecution. Remember, all, all the churches in Asia were persecuted. We read that from the book of James to 1 Peter 2. They were persecuted people. But here he is and he's saying in all of that there's grace and there's peace. uh, And it tells us of who uh, it all comes from, thank God. In verse number 5 it says, And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of them. Unto him the love does. Verse 4, John to the churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ. So it says that it's from the one who which was and which is and which was to come, is to come. And it says it's from the seven spirits. And it says it's from Jesus Christ. What is grace and peace? And so it's very simple. And, and, and as we look at this, uh, we can see in it the Trinity working in hand uh, and hand together. We see God the Father, the Bible says, which is uh, and which was and which is to come. Uh, and this speaks of Jehovah God. This speaks of the pre-existing one, uh, um, the self-existent one. Uh, it speaks of Him uh, that He stepped out on nothing uh, and created everything that you see. Uh, it speaks of Him. He speaks of Him who was uh, 
and who is and who is going to be. He existed in eternity past and He will exist for all of eternity, thank God. He, we can trust in one who has already been there, who has always been there and who will always be there. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible tells us that I am that I am have sent you as He's speaking to Moses. I am that I am. He's the only one who lives now in all three dimensions, the past, the present, and the future. He is all that at the same time. He is. Amen. Thank God we see God the Father. We see God the Spirit. It goes on and it tells us, and from the seven spirits which are before the throne. Now we understand this, and you might not understand this, but getting it down and breaking it down, and we see the number seven again. And this isn't referring to seven separate spirits, seven separate spirits, but the Holy Spirit, I believe. It says it's from Him. It says it's from the seven spirits which are before the throne. It's from Him, and this is the Holy Spirit, the perfect and the complete Spirit of God. And He is the way by which the grace and the peace of God that dwells within your heart and in my heart today, the peace that passes all understanding and the grace that is given to us, it is by Him in which it is given to us. The same Holy Spirit that abides in us this evening is sufficient for every need of what and I'm thankful that I have peace through the spirit of God amen amen then we see God the son where the bible says and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth now John moves his attention to the third source of grace and peace as he puts it here and uh, Jesus came uh, that we might know God He is the true representative of God, the Father. He's the true representative. We understand we're we're to be ambassadors for Christ, meaning a representative. He is the true representative. He's the only one that's perfect. He's the witness. Witness. That's what it says. He's the faithful witness. And so he's the true representative of God. And Jesus came, and he is a reliable source. He came and, uh, and in this world as God in the flesh, He's God incarnate. He's absolutely, He's all God and He's all man. Amen. Simple. I mean, it's not simple, but it's simple. I mean, really, He is all of those things and He is the faithful, faithful witness. It means we can rely on Him at any point of time. It don't matter if it's 3 in the morning. We can rely on Him. It's 3 in the evening. We can still rely on Him. And He came to bring God unto man and bring us to God. And Jesus did that for you and I. He alone is the witness, friend. He's reliable, wouldn't you say? I'd say also he's, he, it mentions here, not only is he reliable, but it says he's the first begotten of the dead. He's resurrected. Amen. Thank God. You, can't, you know, a dead God could have never served you, never saved you anyways. Amen. It, it just been just like the rest of them. But he's not. He's resurrected. Amen. I found that phrase, uh, that, that phrase first begotten there comes from the Greek word as um, proktokos. Proktokos. I can't mention it good. Uh, um, but it, that word we get, I found, means prototype. That's where we get our word from. 
And so uh, Jesus wasn't the first to be resurrected. Uh, He was the first. He wasn't the first to be resurrected from the dead, though. But he's the first to be resurrected from the dead and still be living. Amen. That's what I'm trying to get there. And so we understand that he was a he was, but he was the first to, he wasn't the first to be resurrected, but he was the first to rise. Can I say it that way? He was the first to rise, all in his lonesome. He was the first to rise with God the Father. He was the first to rise and never to die again. He's never going to die again. And of all those uh, who were resurrected prior to Jesus from Lazarus, from the child of Nain, uh, and from all of those, all those that were resurrected, they died again, but the Lord never did. And He never will. Amen. Uh, He is alive forevermore, as the Scripture says. Thank God. He's the first begotten of the dead, but He won't be the last. He said, what do you mean it won't be the last? Well, just as he lives and just as he resurrected, so shall we. Amen, Amen, friend. I'm thankful the Bible. The redeemed saints of God are going to rise one day. And when we do, we're going to do it just like he did it. Amen, Amen, friend. Hallelujah. And then, not only, I don't think he's just reliable. I don't think he's just resurrected. But it tells us there um, where the Bible says very clearly, and the prince of the kings of the earth. He's royal. Amen. When you say that, I mean, there's nobody like Jesus. Amen. Uh, he's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Lord of all. Matter of, matter of fact, He's not just the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, but He is the King of all and the Lord of all. I mean, any way you want to look at it. Uh, and one day, all the kings and the conquerors and the presidents and the um, financial people and all the ones that are rich, uh, the rich, the poor, and all the uh, men small, uh, all men great, will one day, uh, one day confess uh, um, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Uh, and that sounds like to me that He has the authority uh, um, to extend grace and to extend peace. Amen. Thank God for Jesus tonight. Amen, Amen, friend. We see the preface that is specific. We see the uh, power that is sovereign. Thirdly, I want you to notice we see a praising praising that is sounded. Now the Bible says in verse 5 at the end, it says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and uh, hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Oh, some good verses right there, friend. I believe as John, having talked about the Lord in verse number 5, as he said, hey, this is Jesus. He's, he gives us peace. He gives us grace. And, and this is Jesus. Uh, and he is the one who is the faithful witness. He was, uh, he's reliable. He's royal. Uh, he's all of those things. Uh, and he can be trusted by you and I. And I believe that he, as he started talking about the Lord, uh, and I don't know about you, but when I start talking about the Lord, I get a little bit excited sometimes. Uh, but I believe John got called up just a little bit uh, on that, talking about Jesus. And he starts praising. In him uh, um, for all that he has done for him, uh, and he may have thought of the day when Jesus uh, um, came to him on that shore and when he called him to service uh, and then saved him, and all of those things. Uh, and maybe you thought about the day when, uh, remember, this is John the Beloved, uh, and we understand that John saw Jesus die on the cross of Calvary, uh, and maybe he looked back to that day uh, as an elder man, uh, he looked back to that day and he says, I remember the day uh, when he died died on the cross for my sins. Uh, He said, I 
know, I'm not just a, I'm not just a witness from afar, uh, but I was a witness up close. Uh, I saw it firsthand, and I know what He did for me. Uh, and I tell you, friend, I know what He did for me this evening. Amen. Notice what John states, though. Jesus has done to deserve His praise. He tells us very clearly unto Him that loved us. Don't get caught up, by the way, in the, in the past tense, okay, verb either. Because he, he's just telling us that he loved us then, but he still was, is, and is to come. He already told us that, so he's still going to love us, amen. The one who washed us then, but, you know, he's still going to, thank God for all that. Don't get caught up in all that, but I tell you, is that he, he says, I can worship him for a few things, and I want to tell you why. But not only you can, not only I can worship him, but it says us. We can worship Him too. We can praise His name, friend, tonight. I'm thankful. I I see one thing, that we should praise Him for His compassionate work. Now the Bible says, unto Him that loved us. Unto Him, are you telling me that Jesus loved me? He loved me. I mean, I mean, a wicked, wicked sinner, friend. I'm, I committed sins today uh, that should have sent me to hell. But he loved me. Uh, he loved me. And John was thinking of the love of Jesus. Uh, and, uh, as John was standing at the um, bottom of the cross, uh, and I don't know if he's standing at the bottom of the cross, but as John was standing there uh, and he thought about the love that Jesus, he heard, uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, he said, he heard him say on the cross uh, um, as he was uh, as it was getting dark and he's uh, heard him say uh, father into thy hands I commend my spirit and having said thus he gave up the ghost uh, and before that he heard him say it is finished uh, and before that he heard him say woman uh, behold thy son uh, and um, before that he heard all of those words of Christ uh, as he was hanging on Calvary uh, um, but John says hey he loved us uh, he loved us uh, and I tell you that's the compassionate uh, uh, Jesus that we know uh, he loves us more than our mamas love us Uh, he loves us more than our daddies love us Uh, more than our brothers and our sisters love us Uh, and our friends love us Uh, um, greater love hath no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friend Uh, and we got a friend that sticketh closer than a brother Proverbs tells us Uh, and beloved I tell you Jesus loved us more uh, than anyone ever could love us Uh, he proved that love on the cross as he died for our sins Uh, he proved all of that and his love didn't end there though uh, um, friend he continually loves me every day every day he loves me his love is extended uh, to the lowest of sinner and the highest of heights uh, and in order to redeem uh, the sin sick soul he loved me hallelujah but God commendeth his love toward us and that he, he did it he did it while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. For God so loved the world. Thank God, friend. Do you realize that every soul that ever has went to hell rejecting Christ went to hell with Him loving them? I believe that. I believe that. I mean, the Bible tells us the Lord is not slack concerning His problem and not willing that any man count slackness. But as long as suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. That means every man. I believe in an every man. Amen. I do. I believe in a whosoever. Even the ones in hell could have been saved because Jesus shed enough blood for them. Could have been saved. They cannot be now. But they could have been saved. 
And I believe that. And I believe tonight we could praise the Lord, friend, for His compassionate work. I believe not only John mentioned his compassionate word, but I believe we could, we could praise him tonight for his cleansing word. Now the Bible says, uh, and washed us from our sins in his blood. In his own blood. Not just his blood. In his own blood. Friend, all, all who are born, all are born in sin. The Bible tells us that there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we understand that and all are born in sin separated from God. Elijah, Elisha is. Malachi is. Micaiah is. Them two babies that's going to be born into the church soon, they're going, to be, they're going to be born in sin. And I'm telling you, no matter how hard we try to clean our lives up, uh, no matter how all of those things, that sin still remains. And Jesus' blood was the only thing good enough to cleanse it. The blood of heifers and goats in the Old Testament was not good enough. But better blood came. And Jesus' blood was sufficient. Hallelujah, friend. Uh, Bible, I mean, that songwriter, old songwriter said, There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that flood. And guess what? Lose all their guilty stains. Thank God, friend. Oh, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank God I've been washed in the blood. Amen. Thank God for that. We should praise Him not only for His compassionate work and His cleansing work, but also we should praise Him for His conquering work. Now we understand this as John is writing here and he says, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. Kings and priests. Well, our forgiveness is enough to praise God for. Wouldn't you say? I can praise God just because He took, us, took my sins away. Uh, I mean, I can praise Him for that, but, I, you know, throughout all of eternity, there's plenty to praise Him for when it comes to that. Because I've sinned a lot. I've sinned a lot, friend, but Jesus uh, uh, provided a way to escape uh, that judgment of God and the tortures of hell uh, and all that, but that isn't all that He done. Jesus didn't just pardon us. Friend, but He promoted Amen. He promoted us. Ever born again child of God uh, holds, a, uh, holds a position in Christ. Uh, and wherefore, if, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. It's a sanctioned position. Friend. You, nobody, nobody can take it away. Nobody can take it away. The saved uh, are absolutely uh, uh, can uh, and have been put into the body of Christ. Uh, and the world may reject us, uh, but God has a place for us. Uh, he says we're kings and priests. And you say, what is kings and priests? What does that have anything? Well, here's the thing. Kings, with us being kings, we have authority. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. With us being priests, we have access. Amen, friend. That's how it works. That's how it works. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Uh, He has conquered uh, everything for us. Aren't you getting it, though? It's all about Him. It's all about him. This whole book's all about him. It's a him book, as many would say. Hey, man, it is. It really is. So we see a preface that is specific, a power that is sovereign, a praising that is sent. And lastly, I'm done. I'll be done quickly. We see, lastly, a promise that is settled. The Bible says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him in all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. 
And he goes on to tell us that I'm Alpha and Omega. And so I tell you, his promises to us are amazing. Would you agree with that? I mean, I know for me, I, my, his promises have been amazing in my life. Amazing. He promised to save me and he did it. Just had to be, I mean, I just had to accept the, what he'd already done. I mean, and thank God for his promises, and we can stand on his promises today. We sing the song, Standing on the Promises of God. My king, he gives a lot of promises in the Bible. One writer said that there's over 3,000 in the Bible. I could not say that for fact. One writer said that. But these verses tell us of a soon coming event that will take place. And it's a promise for the child of God. Amen. And it's a promise for ones that ain't saved too. I'm thankful I have this promise this evening. I can rest upon that he's coming back again. He's coming back again, friend. I'll tell you quick things. Firstly, his coming is sure. It's sure. The Bible says, Behold, he cometh with clouds. Behold, he cometh. Jesus came the first time as a humble babe in the manger. He came the first time as a humble babe in Bethlehem. Uh, he laid aside his glory. He clothed in the flesh. Uh, he ordered uh, He uh, ordered to uh, uh, offer himself a sacrifice for our sins. Man, whoa, that's amazing. The prophets of old had preached about him. They had preached about the coming of the Messiah from Isaiah to on. Many other ones, they preached about the coming of the Messiah. And, and, but I tell you is that the fact remains. Guess what? The Messiah had come. And they rejected him. He came. And they rejected him. And so he completely filled the work, fulfilled the work of the Father. First words he said in the Bible, Wish ye know I must be about my Father's business. Last words he said in the Bible, According, excuse me, last words he said before he died, it is finished. What's finished? The Father's business. The Father's business is finished. I'm telling you, friend. He was crucified, he was resurrected, and he ascended up to heaven. And just as in his day, there are those who doubt the coming of Christ today. There are many who doubt it today. But you know what? The grace of God is going to allow them, if they're saved, to still participate in it even though they don't believe in it. Isn't that amazing? It's the grace of God, friend. There's people who think we're post. There's people who think we're mid. I believe we're going out when the trumpet sounds right before. the. Right, I believe we're going out at first, friend. I believe we're going out before all the tribulation. I believe we're going out before everything. I believe we're leaving in a rapture and he's going to call us up. That's just simple as it is. But just as it in those days, they didn't believe it. All of them didn't believe that he was coming. There's those who doubt it today. But the Bible is clear as batters returned. Behold, it says behold, behold. He cometh in the clouds. He cometh with clouds. The word behold has the meaning, has the idea of looking and gazing in amazement. But the Buster Seaton would say it like this. It means looky, looky. Means looky, looky. And I'm telling you, friend, those who doubt and deny his return uh, will one day discover that he kept his word. His promises are true, friend. They're true. He will, will return. It's sure. Amen. Then his coming will be not only, not, not only are they sure, but they'll be seen. The Bible says, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. 
Every eye shall see him, and they which also the pierce him. You might ask, uh, well, what does this literally mean? Well, every eye, every eye, every man, woman, boy, girl, uh, on the face of the earth will behold the king in all of his glory. Amen. Believe it. Jesus won't need CNN. Jesus won't need Fox News. Jesus won't need uh, any of the rest of them. Jesus won't need it, friend. He won't need the world to say breaking news, breaking news. When he comes, all's going to see it. They're going to see it. I'm telling you, friend. I'm telling you. They are going to see him. And there, there's a, you know, you know when Elvis died, the, in, they said in less than two days, in less than two days, the whole entire world knew. It says the king is dead. The king is dead. The king is dead. The king's dead. In less than two days, the whole entire world knew that the king was di- died. Man, it's been... You know, it's been 2,000 and something years since Jesus died and the whole world still don't know about it. That's why we support missions. I'm just telling you straight. But this king is going to come. And when he comes, guess what? Everyone's going to know about it. Everyone's going to see. And can you imagine the excitement uh, and the chaos that his return will create? Can you just imagine that? There is a measure of sadness in this event. I mean, there is, but now don't get me wrong. I'm joyful about the defeat of Satan and the defeat of sin and the defeat of the system of this world. And, uh, and, but there's a harsh reminder in this text. Those and they also which pierced him will see him. Hmm. I tell you, friend, everyone who rejected Jesus will look upon the King of glory. And he won't be on a cross, but he'll be on a cloud. Amen, friend. He, this man whom they uh, um, wrongly accused and crucified uh, um, will pass judgment upon them, uh, upon them. Uh, and the feet that were nailed to a cross will be iron and brass that day. Uh, and all of that will take place. Uh, he won't come as the crucified lamb. Uh, excuse me. He won't come as the sacrificial lamb. Uh, he'll still be the crucified lamb. Uh, um, but he will come that day as the lamb of the tribe. Of the line of the tribe of Judah. He won't be mocked. He won't be beaten. But he'll stand in power over them all. What a great and dreadful day of the Lord. His coming will be seen. His coming will be sorrowful. And all kindred of the earth shall wail because of him. Well, his return will create a great sorrow in the land. All kindred of the earth shall wail because of him, the Bible says. Well, because of him. And that paints a very clear picture to me. I don't know about you. But when somebody's wailing, they're, they're sad. They are upset. They're screaming. They're wailing. They're screaming. They are uh, um, they are absolutely just crying and weeping and all of that. Uh, um, they'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Is that not what the Bible says about hell? It's a scary thought, but it's true. And it is here uh, that many will realize, uh, many will realize that it'll be too late. And I believe, I got my beliefs on some things and we'll get into that on a later date. But I'm just telling you, no doubt there will be an overwhelming 
sensation of doom and great sorrow across the land. As airplanes are falling and as, I mean, be real with it. Things are going to take place that are going to be serious and they're going to be sorrowful, friend. They're going to be sorrowful and they will suddenly be faced with the reality of an eternity without Christ. What a sorrowful day. And this ought to challenge us to warn all we can while we can. So one day we don't wish we could have while we would have, what would have while we could have. I mean, let's be real about it. Even so, we see these words, even so, amen. That means let it be. I'm telling you, this will be a day of great sorrow, but it will come to pass. And you better be ready, you're going to be left. Amen. I'm done. His coming will be, is, is, not will be. His coming is settled. The Bible says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. It's important to understand the divine nature of the Lord. He is God and there is no other. Simple. He doesn't seek the approval or acceptance of others concerning His will. He just doesn't. I mean, it's just simple as that, but the kings and all the kingdoms of the world and all those will be helpless to prevent his return from coming. They'll be helpless. They'll be helpless. He's going to come and judge the sinful world. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Scripture, Scripture. And he's the Alpha and he's the Omega. We could put it together and say he's the A to Z. You say, that's an O. Well, I'm, from what I know, I don't know this, but from what I have heard, uh, the alpha means the first word in the Greek alphabet, and omega means the last. Is that right? That's what I've heard. If it's alpha is the first and omega is the last, that means he is absolutely all of that and all in between it too. He's the absolute first, uh, and he is the last. He's the beginning. He's the ending. Uh, he is what was. He is what is, and he is what will be. Uh, all of that is put into one verse, and this is speaking of Christ. And here we find the same exact description that the Father held up in verse number 4. Well, speaking of equality with God, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing, friend. It's amazing. But Jesus is our returning Lord. He's coming again someday, friend. And I tell you, you ought to be ready. You ought to be ready for that day. He's coming, and when He comes, He's going to be almighty. And He's already almighty, by the way. But He's coming, and He's going to be almighty, as the Bible says, the all. Mighty. The Bible tells us that Isaiah prophesied about this day and said he's going to be the Almighty. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says he's going to be the Almighty. He's going to be the um, wonderful counselor. He's going to be the, uh, I can't remember all of them, but he's going to be them. Amen. I believe them, even though I can't remember them all. But he is the Almighty and it's 100% settled tonight. There isn't one thing that Satan and all the demons of hell can do about it to prevent his coming. He is coming, uh, and the prince of this wicked world will on that day face defeat. Amen. Not exactly, but practically. But one day he'll face final defeat, and when that day comes, there'll be a battle, and our king will win it all, friend. Amen. And he'll cast them into the lake of fire, which is burning with fire. Amen. I want to tell you tonight, you ought to be ready for this day. Because he's coming. And if you can't tell, that day's going to be all about Him. And so we might as well make our lives tonight all about Him.
Because it's all about Him. The Scripture's all about Him. I'm telling you, friend, the saints ought to be all about Him. And I'm thankful, 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 thankful that I can say tonight, this is who this book is about. Amen. Thank you for listening tonight. Thank you for coming. We'll close in prayer. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this time in the Lord. Thankful for the house of God. Thankful for the people that came tonight, Lord. We're forever grateful for that. Lord, we ask you, God, to be with each person that's leaving here tonight. I pray, God, that you would help them each, keep them safe on the route home. Lord, help us be prepared for that day. Lord, um, as Paul stated, Lord, that there'll be a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give us at that day. Not to, not to me only, not to him only, Lord, but to all those that look for his appearing. Lord, I'm looking for that day. I believe it could be tomorrow. I believe it could be tonight, Lord. And I ask you, God, to help us um, be ready when you come. Lord, we're thankful for salvation. Thankful for what Jesus did on the cross for my sins. And in his name I do pray this prayer. Amen.